and uh, it was kind of getting pretty serious. They were talking about the future and planning for the future, and, and the guy booked the nicest restaurant in town, absolutely nicest restaurant in town. 7.30, dinner for two, candles, a view over the water, the works. He paid for a new dress. He paid for a manicure and a haircut, a special occasion. And it came to 7.30 and they rocked up to the restaurant and they were welcomed in and they were taken to their table. Beautiful music in the background, perhaps a bit of jazz. <laughs> they uh, ordered some drinks, they ordered entree. It was beautiful food. They had, had a great conversation. They were starting to really enjoy each other's company. They uh, had mains and it was beautiful food, cooked to perfection. And the waiter came and they cleared the table and, and the mood got a little bit tenser. And uh, the guy said, you know, there's a, there's a reason why I brought you out tonight. And you can imagine what she's thinking right now. She said, oh, here we go. Here we go. And he says, oh, I've been wanting to say something. I just need to, I need to say something. She's like, Oh, just come out and say it. He's going to ask, he's going to ask. And he says, I, I don't know how to say it, I'm just going to come out and say it. It's just, the tension is just building, the, the anticipation is just huge. And he says, I got the promotion. <laughs> Boom. The mood just goes, the girl doesn't know what to think. Have we, ever, have we ever had that kind of feeling of anticipate? maybe not that exact feeling, and please don't put up your hand if you've had that exact, precise feeling. <laughs> Sorry, if you have. Um, but, but that feeling of anticipation, of good news, and then... No, that's not quite what I was expecting, actually. <laughs> it's not exactly what I was expecting. Keep that feeling, keep that feeling in your mind as we start to read uh, the story that we're looking into today. We're continuing our series in Luke, in, in this certainty series, and we're looking at Luke chapter 6, verses 17 to 26. And uh, in just a moment, we're going to read... In fact, why don't we just read it all? So it's going to be on the screen. If you have it on your um, device or your, if you've got a Bible, feel free to follow along as well. But just keep that sort of feeling that we've been talking about just in mind, in the background. Let's read. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and for the, from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you, 
and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. Can you imagine the disciples at this point? So they've only just been appointed by Jesus as this close-knit uh, inner circle of followers and the very first sermon just about that he gives them is this. Can you imagine what they're kind of feeling? This sense of anticipation of good news. Can you imagine that? I can just picture it. That James turns to John and he, I'm just imagining he's saying, is this guy for real? I thought Jesus was meant to bring good news. This doesn't sound like good news. He, he was... He's saying that we're going to be poor. He's saying that we're going to be hungry, that we're going to feel sorrow, that, that we're going to be hated and rejected. That's, how is that good news? That's very bad news. That's not at all what we're expecting. What have we got ourselves into here? What have we got ourselves into? That feeling of anticipation for a particular thing of news, and it's just, oh. The big letdown. Oh, it's not what we're expecting at all. Was Jesus the bearer of bad news? Or was he the bearer of good news? We're going to discover this as we dig into this passage a bit more this morning. There are a couple of key concepts that we need to look into in order to fully understand what Jesus was saying. And I think, I think we'll come to the conclusion that perhaps that feeling of like let down, this is bad news, perhaps wasn't really the case. There's a couple of things that we need to get our heads around. First of all, we need to understand who Jesus was speaking to. Now, if um, you have read or if you know the passage sort of immediately before this part, it talks about how Jesus went up the mountain and a whole group of his followers came with him and, and at some point up there he chose the 12 disciples and he comes back down the mountain, and this is where our story kind of starts, kicks off here. comes back down and he finds a plateau where he can kind of talk to them. And, and you've got like his 12 disciples, his, his newly appointed sort of inner circle of, of people that he's going to train and, and um, sort of pass the baton on to once he's gone as far as his mission on earth. And then beyond that, you've kind of got a wider group of, of followers who are kind of interested in what he's saying, but perhaps haven't fully really committed to him yet. And then, then it says that a whole massive crowd come after that as well, from all over the place, because he's starting to become a bit famous in the area for his teaching and his healing. So they're kind of all coming just for the free health care. You know, every man and his dog is coming for, um, you know, everything from kind of, Terminal diseases, which are miraculously healed to you know, the wart on the big toe, which, um, hey, if I can get that healed, I will. So I'm just going to come and see this Jesus guy, because apparently he can heal everything. So you've got this whole mass of people. So who is Jesus actually talking to here? Well, verse 20 is the, the key here, because it says, looking at his disciples, he said, 
looking at his disciples, he said. So there's this massive crowd, and he turns to his immediate followers, his immediate disciples, to say the next part. So we can only assume that what he was about to say was meant for them. So we can only assume that, that these beatitudes, and that's just a, a, fame, a sort of fancy word for, for sort of sayings that start with blessed, blessed is or blessed are. And this sermon, we can only assume that when he was talking to his immediate disciples, that this was kind of designed for his, his followers, the people who are going to commit their lives to following and serving him. So we know who Jesus was speaking to. Another key thing we need to know is um, what Jesus was saying. So let's read uh, from verse 20. It says, Then Jesus turned to his disciples and said, Blessed. Now stop there. Blessed. Blessed. This is probably the most important word in this whole passage. And if we don't understand the word blessed, then we don't really understand this whole passage. So it's really important. You know, I think we use the word blessed a lot, and we don't necessarily misuse it, but I think we don't really use it to its full depth or its full, a full meaning. And I was trying to put my finger on this, um, trying to think through what is it about the concept of being blessed that is not quite what we seem to use it as. So we use the word blessed a lot. So we use it, um, you know, we're so blessed to have been given a new car. We've so been so blessed to have a good job. We're so blessed to... Nearly always, nearly always, we use the word or term blessed in the context of getting something or having something. Don't we? So like... Uh, we're blessed with a new car. I'm blessed with good health. So-and-so is blessed with good looks. Ben Cronkamp, for instance. <laughs> Campbelltown is blessed with a drive through subway. <laughs> drive through subway. I, I am a sandwich artist from way back. Okay. I, my, some of my friends were sandwich artists. Some of my relatives were sandwich artists from back in the day. I think I know my subway pretty well. <laughs> drive through subway. As I drive through Campbelltown and we drive, through, drive past drive through subway, I've never actually been there, but I can picture the, the queue. So you drive in the driveway, drive to the first window, and they say, hello, sir, how are you going? Good, thanks. What sort of bread would you like? I'll have parmesan bread, thanks. No worries. Please drive to the next window. Hello, sir, how are you going? Good, thanks. What sort of cheese would you like? I'll have cheddar cheese, thanks. Okay, please drive to the next window. Hello, sir, how are you going today? Good, thanks. What sort of meat would you like? <laughs> can, you, can you just imagine it? The drive-thru would have to be like a kilometre long with like 12 windows <laughs> to, just to work out what you want on your sandwich. Like I haven't actually been to drive through Subway in Campbelltown, but it seems strange to me. Why are we talking about Subway? It's making me hungry. Um, actually, we might get Subway on the way home. That sounds good. <laughs> Not driving all the way to Campbelltown, though. <laughs> anyway, we don't 
really understand, I don't think, the full meaning of this word blessed. And I was trying to put my finger on it. I was trying, well, if it's all, if it's only about getting something or receiving something or having something, is that all it is? So I did some more research and I looked into it. And without going into it into too much detail, um, I discovered that the word blessed that we have comes from the Greek word makarios, and that is um, commonly, apparently now, I discovered, that a lot of scholars are saying that that's probably even better translated slightly differently as what we have. So maybe something like to be congratulated or to be commended or applauded. So thinking about it this way, if I am blessed by God, then I am to be applauded by God. I'm to be congratulated by God. What happens when you're congratulated by someone? You know, often you're encouraged, often you get a pat on the back or a shake of the hand, or if you're in a, a group like this, you might get in a round of applause, or every now and again, every now and again, you'll get a gift, or you'll get something, or you'll have a party. But congratulations is kind of like, it's more a recognition of something you've done, or a milestone that you've achieved. You don't always actually get something for it. That kind of starts, for me anyway, it starts to sort of pull a few things together. And when Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive, it kind of starts to make a bit more sense because he's kind of saying that giving is to be congratulated more than receiving is. And that makes total sense, doesn't it? We, we rarely celebrate the people who get heaps of stuff for themselves. We do celebrate people who are particularly generous and we commend them and we applaud them and we encourage them, don't we? So if we understand now that Jesus was talking to his immediate disciples and we kind of get a little bit deeper understanding of this word bless, not that we misunderstand it completely, but a, just a bit more depth to it, uh, let's read this passage once more. So he says, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. What's he saying here then? With all this in mind, is he saying that poverty is good? No. No, not really. Because remember, he's talking to his immediate disciples. So he's saying, you guys, as my followers, if you experience poverty in your walk and in your following of me, God will congratulate you. God will bless you. He'll commend you. That is to be applauded. Is he saying that hunger in and of itself is a good thing? No. Because he's talking to his disciples. So he's saying, if you're a disciple of me and you experience hunger, or this lacking of something, because of being a follower of me, then God will commend you. He will applaud you and be proud of you. He will bless you. Is he saying that... Uh, 
sorrow is a good thing. No, of course not. But he's saying to his followers, when you experience sorrow, some of the deepest, darkest feelings that we go through in life, and you're a follower of me, and you follow me and you walk with me and you trust in me, then God will applaud you and congratulate you. Is he saying that being rejected is a good thing? No. He's saying if you are rejected because you're a follower of me, you are to be applauded and commended and thanked by God. And in fact, he adds a little bit to that because he says, and if you're rejected, you're actually in good company because the great prophets of the Bible, even Jesus himself was rejected for being uh, followers of God and doing what God said to do. So now that we have kind of understand, getting that understanding of what he was saying, let's keep reading from verse uh, 24. It says, but woe, now stop, because there's another important word, woe. Woe is kind of a word that we don't really use that often, uh, but it kind of, it's kind of used in the context of like commiserations, or I pity you, or I feel sorry for you, because the future doesn't really look that great. So if I'm kind of using the word woe in a context that maybe we'll understand, I'd say something like, woe, are you, woe to you who are supporters of the Richmond Football Club, for in March your hope is large, but by June your hope is dashed. I can say that because I am a Richmond follower. <laughs> and I know how you feel. So close last night. But that's kind of the use of the word woe here. Okay, so uh, if we keep reading. Uh, but woe to you who are rich. I feel sorry for you who are rich. For you have already received your comfort. See, his tone actually changes kind of here. And I can imagine him kind of looking up from talking to his disciples and start to look around to the greater audience that's around. And he says, But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. So just like being poor in and of itself isn't a good thing, He's, is he saying that, that being rich is a bad thing? No, of course not. But what he's saying is, if you are rich in wealth in this world, but you're not a follower of me, all your comfort and all your wealth will be here on earth, and it will come to an end. There'll be a point where it, just, where it ends, and you will actually be poor forever after that. Is he saying that uh, being prosperous and having enough and having plenty is a bad thing? No. But what he's saying is, if you're not a follower of Jesus, then you can have all the food in the world and never go hungry while you're on this earth, but as soon as the next life comes, 
you will starve forever. And woe to you. I feel sorry for you. I feel sorry for you. Is he saying that um, being happy and laughing is a bad thing? No. We all love to laugh. But what he's saying is if you're not a follower of me, they'll come to a point where laughing will stop. That there'll be a point where you'll have your last laugh and there'll be an eternity without laughing beyond that. That's, that's kind of hard to think about, isn't it? An eternity without laughing. If that's not enough to motivate you to, to share Jesus with your friends, I don't, I don't know what will. An eternity without laughing, without joy. Is he saying that being loved and being liked by people is a bad thing. No. I think he's saying here that if you're not a follower of Jesus, it doesn't matter if you're loved by one person or if you have 21 million followers on Twitter, your eternity is the same. I feel sorry for you, he says, for those of you who put the love of others ahead of the love of God because it's going to end it's going to end so now that we kind of get a grasp on this passage what what do we do with it what do we do with it well, I think there's a couple of things that Jesus tells us today through this sermon called the Beatitudes and they're kind of confronting in a way the first is life isn't easy. Life isn't easy. Jesus is honest. He doesn't shy away from the truth. He, he doesn't sugarcoat reality here. He says being a follower of his comes at a cost. And when you commit your life to Jesus, then you're committing yourself to whatever that comes along with. The good and the bad and the ugly. Over the course of journeying from being a, a, a new Christian to a growing Christian to a Jesus-centered, others-focused Christian, he's saying we will experience these things along the way. We'll experience poverty and hunger and sorrow and rejection. Life isn't easy. But you know what? God says that he is with us. He will never forsake us. That He understands us. That He cares for us. He knows what we're feeling. He knows what we're going through. And that He's there. And He's with us. And that He blesses us. He congratulates us. I can imagine all of heaven standing to applause when a follower of Jesus goes through rejection because of what they believe. The second lesson, I think, that we can gain from this is that we are equipped, but we're not immune. We are equipped, but we're not immune. Those of us who follow Jesus, we might be going to heaven one day, but we're not there yet. We're in this world. 
we're in this messy and complicated and chaotic and destruction-filled, sad, fragile and uncertain world, aren't we? Whether you're far from God or whether you're Jesus himself, bad stuff happens. Bad stuff happens. When you accept Jesus as the leader of your life, you don't suddenly get this force field around you that stops all of life's challenges from happening. You don't suddenly get this face mask which protects you from breathing in germs. You don't suddenly get this sort of coating around the limbic part of your brain which means you only feel happy thoughts and you never go sad. You don't get this protection around your toilet which means you never drop your phone in your toilet, do you, Chantel? (laughs) That was last night. (laughs) Bad stuff still happens. Jesus said, if you follow me, you're guaranteed that bad stuff's still going to happen. It's not a perfect life. It's not an easy life. We're not immune, but we are equipped. Because you see, when Jesus left this earth, he sent the Holy Spirit. The very same Holy Spirit that empowered him to heal all those people and to be raised from death itself. Same Holy Spirit equips us today. And we might not be immune to the challenges of this world, but we are equipped to deal with it because the Holy Spirit can heal. He can provide. He can protect. He can comfort. He can encourage If you're just exploring with us here this morning, can I just take a minute to encourage you? There aren't heaps of guarantees when you become a Christian, but Jesus guarantees a handful of things in what he says, and one of those is that as Christ followers, we will go through suffering. So if you're an explorer here this morning, you're just trying to figure out what all this means. Know this, becoming a Christian doesn't, isn't a ticket to an easy life. But the other thing, one of the other things that Jesus guarantees is that the suffering that we experience is temporary and it's worth it. It's temporary and worth it. And if you want to explore these ideas a bit better, we would love to talk to you. We'd love to have a chat. We'd love to invite you to Alpha that you heard about earlier. And Alpha can explain these kinds of things far better than I can. And uh, in a nice comfort environment and with good food and good friends. And you can explore this in more detail, what it means to be a Christian. For those of you who are followers of Jesus and can call yourselves followers of his, can I encourage you for a moment? When the going gets tough, when, not if, when the going gets tough, remember that you are blessed, that God congratulates you. When the going gets tough, 
not if, but when the going gets tough, remember that you are equipped. Remember that you have Holy Spirit living inside of you and you can, you can cope with anything the world throws at you. Jesus came from this perfect heaven down to this imperfect world. And the world just threw everything at him. Absolute everything. And he was victorious. The same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus empowers us today. And we too can cope and we too can power on and push on when we're hungry, when we're poor, when we're just filled with sorrow, when we're rejected. The Holy Spirit equips us and empowers us in those times. I'm just going to close with a quote from a guy called Jim Elliott. Jim was a famous missionary to Ecuador who eventually actually got killed for being a Christian. And he said this, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool to who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. This morning, are you willing to give up what you cannot keep in order to gain what you cannot lose? We're going to sing now.